peace and welcome to the tailored healing collective podcast this is a space where we discuss everything sacred medicine motherhood healing practices across the globe and transformation above all it is my hope you take each story shared here and find empowerment in your own life for it is here that we educate the mind to liberate the soul i'm your host taylor Today on this episode of the Tailored Healing Collective podcast, I have with me Bob Peck. Now, I came across Bob on TikTok and I find a lot of like hidden gems there all the time. So it was really cool to start to connect with people who have the same kind of similar view on what we're all going through in the spiritual experience. So I figured he would be a great person to give perspective. You know, last season we spent a lot of time talking about psychedelics and plant medicine and connecting to God consciousness, but there's so many other ways. So I'm going to let Bob introduce himself a little bit and tell us about what he does. Yeah, thanks, Taylor. Um, You're right about um, TikTok, it's been really beautiful to connect with a lot of like minds. There's something about that algo, right? It's um, it's been really cool to you know connect with people like literally interested in spiritual awakening, kind of deconstruction from Christianity, uh, Zen Buddhism, shamanic traditions, Hindu philosophy. Um, you know, it's like you don't necessarily run into those people on the sidewalk they are we're out here but um, it's a lot easier to find uh community i think online and so it's been great but um but yeah no i my name is bob peck like you said and um i put out a book last year called original sin is a lie and um you know happy to kind of go into more detail there but ultimately the idea is uh, it's kind of an intro to world mystic philosophy right which is um kind of the esoteric wisdom traditions, um, you know, across the globe all have this similarity. There's this kind of, it's called the perennial philosophy. Uh, that's kind of the connective um, spiritual um, kind of spiritual ideas that are very similar across traditions. And that's, that's always captivated me um, since I was kind of a teenager reading uh, Thich Nhat Hanh, Living Buddha, Living Christ. And, yoga nanda not long after that so um grateful for the eastern masters uh big time in my in my journey but um but yeah no i'm um happy to kind of go wherever you'd like to in terms of covering i, I do write about um, psychedelics and um happy to talk about that as well and just kind of breaking the veil <laughs> Sure. There's so many fun topics we're going to get into today. But one, I'd like to kind of start off with your stories. So I read and correct me if I'm wrong, you were a Latter-day Saint Christian. And then was that correct? Is that wrong? No, no, it wasn't. Oh, no, that's OK. <laughs> oh, go ahead. Well, tell me a little bit about your spiritual background and kind of how you wandered off into this part of spirituality. Yeah, no, I, I um, admittedly, I kind of play up the ex-christian vibe um but i would i really grew up easter christmas christian 
um, EC Christian, as we're called. Um, and I actually, happy to set the record straight, I actually um, kind of enjoyed going to church um, because we went twice a year. And it was like the whole family dresses up and uh, we sing some songs. And it was like at a, you know, a humble but pretty old church in East Texas. The pastor was very charismatic and just he was a very sincere um, guy. So he, you know, I really enjoyed kind of a few of those years going twice a year. Um, and then it was really around um you know, when I would sleep over and have to at a friend's house on Saturday night and then have to go to, you know, my friend's church in the morning um, and uh, Calgary Baptist. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that was kind of my earliest um, inclinations of not really re starting to resonate um, with what was coming through. And I, I write about it in the book, but basically it, it was at one of those kind of one of my friends uh like vacation bible school like kind of things you know as a little kid and this woman came up to me and says you know do you do you want to go to heaven you know and i'm eight years old you know nine years old and it's like totally uh want to go there from what i understand and uh she goes well all you have to do is say uh jesus is lord and then and then you're good to go you know and um that was just very um it's it's felt like there was more to it than that yeah <laughs> just uh you know even as as a little kid and uh, and and my dad was kind of questioning he, his 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 journey went from hardcore catholic to hardcore atheist to spiritualist and so he was kind of mid 90s um so he helped point me kind of in the right direction um as well in terms of you know kind of spiritual but not religious and like exploring that further but um but yeah um wasn't didn't grow up you know super fundamentalist kind of christian anything but um but but appreciated the beauty of aspects of it and 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 kind of had some some personal difficulties very early on with with uh, you know some some of the silliness. Yeah, that's a lot to take on as a child. I think especially when we're ingrained with these ideas from the very beginning. I think maybe when you're around other church kids or other people in church, it might be hard to question those thoughts initially. But then you become an adult and you grow up and things change a little bit. So tell us about your book and what brought you to the point where you decided to write it. I have been listening to it for days now on Spotify and guys, it, it's a book you need to listen to. It goes very into depth and detail and I appreciate every word, not only the time you spent writing it, but recording it and hearing yourself say all these things out loud. Totally, thanks so much, Taylor. I'm, I'm glad you're enjoying it and, and it's resonating. Um, yeah, well, also my dad is a novelist and so I've always kind of known like he's a great writer he's he's very unknown but he he has a he has a real gift and um so i i started writing I, my background's in film documentary film is what i went to school for so i wound up doing film and religion and then and then started writing nonfiction um kind of little pieces it it, it kind of started on facebook actually um like on just like my personal facebook on easter 
like this is how yogananda reads easter and that uh, you know and it it started to get you know some some engagement and comments and you know christians saying oh that's interesting and familiar and you know or you know whatever just getting engagement on a personal facebook um uh, you know long time ago um and then started to post on medium about 2019 i started posting i just i i looked up and i had about 40,000 words of like different kind of nonfiction, you know, kind of spiritual philosophy takes in. And again, comp- comparative religion, uh, two degrees at UT, film and religion. So um, two degrees where you can't make money. Um, but I <laughs> but I love them. Um, but no, but so, yeah, you know, so r- religious, you know, student of religious scholarship background. And, um, and then, you know, yeah, just kind of continued studies after that. And you know, read Yogananda and, and, uh, you know, really fell in love with Ram Das about, you know, probably 12, 15 years ago, listened to pretty much everything he ever said, which highly recommend. Um, Byron Katie is a big one for me. Um, Sri Ramana Maharshi, the Advaitans. Um, and so I just kind of started writing about, you know, really the spiritual buffet line, if you will, that was one of the kind of early subtitles for, for the book. Um, and then, yeah, I kind of, I looked up, like I said, I had about 40,000, 50,000 words and, and a nonfiction book is about 70. Um, I think mine's about 85. And I just said, I need to zero in a kind of pandemic um, era. I said, man, this is a kind of a good opportunity to, you know, zero in on, on, you know, this is a piece there, there's something here that um, is cohesive and, and it took time. It did take about 18 months probably to, kind of structure it um because it does it's a pretty broad spectrum of a book um you know like i said we go bible scholarship to buddhism to um you know hindu philosophy to psychedelics to kind of the illusion so it really it, it it goes all over and i think you know one one of the big realizations for me in in the creative process was struggling with the order and struggling with the sequence and kind of how do I introduce all these things? And it hit me, um, you know, at some point in that process to say, Oh, the order is my order. You know, the order mm-hmm. of the book is, is, is how I is the sequence in which I, you know, came to understand these ideas. Um, and so that's, that's, you know, really how it's, it's structured and, um yeah it's been it's been a lot of fun kind of getting it out there and 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 getting feedback from people from where i've gone so far i definitely feel like for you through the spiritual journey it's also very aligned with the hero's journey getting that call and discovering what it is that you're either looking for you've been missing in some way or what you want to connect with so i really love that um what are some of the most challenging spiritual questions that you've had along your journey Oh, that's a cool question. Yeah, and I, I love Hero's Journey ref. I love Joseph Campbell. Um, he's great. Um, difficult questions for me. Um, you know, I feel like the um, the problem of evil, you know, is is um, is is a pretty tough one, and that's something that um, isn't is tough to answer in TikTok comments. Um, but that one is something that I feel like kind of after being immersed in 
spiritual philosophy and kind of mystic philosophy uh, for enough time now it starts to make more sense um around kind of the nature of suffering on this plane and um really kind of undo, undoing it i mean the buddha says that um you know everything in form is suffering or dissatisfaction in some way um and his entire you know uh, framework for teaching is about removing suffering um you know jesus has a lot of interesting things to say um but you know i think a couple things that he says um you know modern christians still have issues with which is turn the other cheek um resist not evil he says um, very um kind of bluntly and so um you know i i that that one has been an interesting one because as soon as you start to say things like turn the other cheek um most human beings on this earth are not interested in doing that and so working kind of with the problem of evil and um you know really trying to see through you know ultimately taylor i think the mystic the mystic um outlook um and when i say mystic i just mean kind of internal spiritual um you know kind of esoteric the internal not the exoteric the out the external um the 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 internal piece is all about um kind of seeing through the physical world you're you're we're very you know you've heard that it was said an eye for an eye um you know it's very tit for tat out here in the physical world you did this to me and um and therefore i'm going to do this to you and like that is samsara that is what keeps us caught that's what keeps us stuck is this um reactive um we what we do is we make we make it real essentially by reacting to it and i think it's yeah you know it's soon as as a philosopher as soon as you start to talk about things like that in that way it was like oh well so then you just let evil people you know be evil and and um didn't say that (laughs) um but there does seem to be you know a really beautiful you know way really what you're trying to do is transcend the whole game you're trying you're not trying to be caught in it and um you know i don't think that that means that we shouldn't have you know guardians of society and so on in terms of their evildoers and you know and that's obviously true but um you know compassion what what people who are acting evilly are 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 suffering themselves they're just projecting their own um you know they're they're projecting their own internal struggles and traumas that they're carrying and so uh you know uh buddha says hatred can never cease by hatred Uh, hatred can only cease by love um so that one's a tough one to work with but it's so important yeah, one of the things that I was thinking about what you were saying earlier about um, Ram Das, I think that was one of the first people that I listened to that when I connected with psychedelics, it allowed me to kind of break down all these structures that religion puts in place and all of these walls. So like you said, it's very reactive in this society. You know, even though we want to hear turn the other cheek, we have to say, yeah, but so-and-so did this to me or they did that. And it's so hard for people to let go of that, especially and the chaos that we live in today, but I still see beauty and all of that. So 
the fact that you were able to take all of these concepts that are really so challenging for people to understand and break down and then find a way to show truth in that, you know, and I love the title original sin is a lie was it's very interesting. And I think with a lot of people coming into learning about different kinds of spirituality right now, the one thing that's going to keep them from remaining trapped is to understand compassion and love. And I know that's really, really hard because we think that just because people participate in, you know, certain plant medicines that they learn that, but some people mm. don't. So do you, could you share with us a little bit about your own psychedelic experiences? Sure. Yeah, no, that's great. That's a great point. And, um, you know, it's, there's a lot of kind of um, nuance to the psychedelic conversation for me, because I see a ton of value in it. Um, and I'm, I'm a fan, um, frankly, um, you know, it's been, it's been transformative for me. Um, but also at the same time, Ram Dass is um, a, a central part of his story is that when you get high, you always have to get low again. When you go up, you come down. And the point isn't to get high, it's to get free, you know? And so they have value. They absolutely have value because they can they can give you a glimpse kind of through the veil, so to speak. Uh, they can, they can um, you know, let you see beyond the, the, the tightness or kind of the barriers really that we put up. What psychedelics do is they just melt away the barriers, right? Um, kind of emotionally, psychodynamically, conceptually. Um, and so that is definitely valuable, but, um, but I don't think, you know, they're not a requirement for enlightenment or awakening, um, right? Um, I, I do think they're probably better than, you know, a, a percentage of things that are coming from um the Walgreens drive-through. Um, but uh, but no judgment also because um you know prescription pharmaceuticals definitely do work and can help people. Um but there is an epidemic in America, right? There's a there's an opioid epidemic that's uh terrorized um you know primarily lower socioeconomic um, segments of society and that's a kind of a another conversation but it's relevant in that sacred plant medicine could could um could be kind of a replacement in in a in a healthy way um when done when, when done correctly and i think there's a lot of kind of clinical therapy applications of psychedelics that are that are coming in hot um which is which is super exciting but again let me just say all of this to say that um you know I don't, I don't think it's essential or required or, um, you know, very mild to moderate occasional uses does the trick. You, you know, that was one of me. I'm the same way. And I actually, that was one of the first things I learned before I had ever tried anything at all. It seemed that enlightenment came from finding yourself first and that i think i heard i can't even remember the exact quote but i did hear a talk by ram das once and he was quoting someone else saying that you know taking psychedelics was like visiting god for a few minutes and then it's over with and right, right. we kind of forget that and become separate from it and that's where i've gone on my own journey where 
I think it's very helpful, especially for people who go through so much pain, but it's not, like you said, it's not a requirement. There's so many other ways to connect with God consciousness that don't require it. I think it's a great tool, but I don't think it's something that should be overused all of the time. And with, you know, what's going on with the epidemic in America, I think it's, it could get scary for some people, you know, because they become reliant on it and we forget like the closest you can get to nature is just going outside or going within you don't have to always go take something in order to reach that so thank you for sharing your take on that i, I like that and i think it'll sure. definitely give people a different perspective yeah let me just say a couple more things i, I really like what you said too um uh Ter terrence mckenna is a great um philosopher of psychedelics for anyone listening um he has a lot of uh lectures on youtube that are dazzling um and also um yeah I, what i was gonna say with the, the ram das maharaji story um which is which i do actually write about in the book um and i'm you know sourcing be from be here now and miracle of love which are ram das material so feel free to go straight to the source but um you know basically he when he was when he was fired um from harvard i, I mean I, I guess should i kind of give some context on ram das a little bit sure um so basically um ram das was a psychology professor at harvard his birth name is richard alpert and so dr alpert was a psychology professor um you know, very distinguished university, very, you know, kind of this up and coming professor and talking about Freudian psychology, the latest stuff. Uh, this is in the 40s and 50s. And um, he realized he was so desperately unhappy. You know, he was neurotically unsatisfied and he thought that he had everything. You know, he had a nice car and his apartment and a great job, a great career. He had a plane that he would fly across the country in, and he would still get in the bathtub and cry. And he just didn't know what the hell was going on. And there was this eccentric professor that moved into his hall. And um, his name was Professor Tim Leary. And um, most people are probably familiar with Tim Leary, but um, you know, Tim kind of became one of the biggest figures in American psychedelic uh, period of the 60s. Um, but, but before that, you know, basically Tim and Richard um, took, a, took a trip together. They, they uh, ate, you know, consumed mushrooms, um, psilocybin, I believe. And um, yeah, um, it, you know, it changed everything for Richard Albert. And he basically saw his body melt away uh, and he said oh well i can still be um my personality that he saw his personality melt away you know that i can still be the professor and he saw the professor melt away and then, then his body and you know it, he was just nothingness underneath it all because the nothingness is the wholeness and um anyway you'll have to read his accounts of it but um <coughs> they started to study um psychedelics in an academic setting and it was going pretty well and um eventually 
it didn't. <laughs> and they were both publicly fired and defrocked. And it was a very kind of <clears throat> ego death, if you will, and a humiliation kind of thing. And they kind of set, went their separate ways. Tim Leary went to go be kind of a LSD guru type guy in uh, California. And um, and actually, the Beatles uh, wrote, John Lennon wrote, Come Together, uh, the famous rock song about Tim Leary's gubernatorial campaign in California against Ronald Reagan. So wow. <laughs> that's a fun little pop culture fact. Yeah. <laughs> um, Come Together was uh, for Tim Leary. But um, Ram Dass, in the meantime, said, you know, I'm going to just travel the world and try to figure out those, um, you know, who who knows about this stuff, because there has to be some holy men or some holy women or some monks or nuns somewhere, um, a guru or somebody that could tell me, you know, what this is all about, uh, you know, erasing the body and the psych, the psychological dynamics. This is just, you know, he, he has a funny joke where he's like, we thought we were the pioneers of consciousness. You know, we're Harvard psychology professors doing psychedelics, you know, no one has ever explored consciousness this deeply. So they thought until they read the Tibetan book of the dead um, through all this Huxley and, you know, they, they found Eastern mysticism and realized that, um, you know, some of the some of the mental maps from the East were, you know, 10, 20 times more sophisticated than they had ever um, realized. So so he kind of he went that direction and, and you know, basically he, he, he had a miraculous um, meeting eventually with his guru, uh, Maharaji Niamkroli Baba. And um, and and at one point in that first visit i think it was about an eight month stay in uh northern india um he it was like i think it was in the first week actually that he was there um maharaji said where is the medicine and he was like what and he was like give me the, the medicine and uh and his traveling companion said he probably means the lsd that you have and isn't that what you're trying to figure out you know and so he says, give me the, you know, this old, old Indian man, kind of miracle guru takes um, four pills, uh, which a pill was, I think, 300 micrograms, 310. So it was um, over 1200 MGs. Um, and so um, basically, uh, you know, a, a standard dose is around 400. I mean, you're really going to be rocking out. I mean, you're already feeling it at 100, 200. So um, the uh, the guru took about, yeah, over 1,200. And, um, you know, Rondas is going, what's going to happen? You know, is did I just kill this man? You know, what, but as a scientist, he was like, this is going to be interesting. <laughs> and, uh, and nothing happened, famously, um, you know, whatsoever. He was completely normal. And, um, you know, kind of in his conclusive point about the whole episode, um, essentially what he says is when you're in Detroit, you don't have to take a bus to Detroit, right? The, the master was operating at a much higher level of consciousness of energetic frequency um, than, than we are. Yeah, but even, you know you and I on psychedelics, we come up here, but we're still underneath someone, you know, on that level. And so I think it was just, uh, 
it's an important kind of footnote for me in the psychedelic spiritual study because um because it's not the be all and all i think you know it's um it's a useful tool and 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 that's about it for me thank you for sharing that um sure. So as an author, producer, writer, and filmmaker, what is it that you hope to impact the world with? Oh, that's a beautiful question. Um, the most amazing thing about um, putting this book out and connecting with people um, has been getting a couple of messages from people uh, and, I'm kind of getting more and more, which is crazy, but um, even about a month or two in, I was getting some some private messages from people basically saying um, that this was that the book was really helping them, um, you know, undo a lot of fear um, and uh, you know trauma in some ways around their strict religious upbringing and that. You know, they had kind of been grappling with either a difficult family relationship based on them having their own moral difficulties with it, or, you know, it's kind of, it's a common theme, I think, in America, but probably the world about, you know, having some disagreement with your family or your kind of cultural, religious uh, framework, and then you kind of go off on your own and you're asking questions and things like that, and so um you know to be able to kind of help point people and really all i'm doing too taylor is you know i'm not a guru i am i'm putting <laughs> it all out on my own too but i I'm, I'm i'm happy to say that the book does point to um you know great teachers and great masters of this stuff my really my book is just a commercial for <laughs> a lot a lot higher beings than me um but it's a it's a real honor that um you know, it's been, it seems like it has to point people in the right direction in terms of, you know, really shifting. I think the grand statement would be this, shifting the um, sentiment of fearful God or jealous God to a loving God, um, because that's the mystic kind of judo move. It's like God isn't mad at you. The creator is not angry at you. The creator isn't judging you. Those are egoic interpretations. Um, you know, the, cre you, the creator's love is so powerful and so infinite. And it's, in, it's inescapable. Uh, and, um, you know, there's, there's not much else I care to, <laughs> you know, focus on and reminding people about that. Well, I think it goes without saying, but thank you for, saying i'm not a guru because i know a lot of people <laughs> like those they want to call other people gurus but i think people who are always learning always still look at themselves as a student and never necessarily as a teacher even if they are teaching and you know down the line you will still be someone's teacher at some point you just may never see yourself that way and i think that's a part of this whole consciousness that we are we're here to teach each other and even the ones that we call gurus still don't look at themselves that way they were just a part of the school that we're in in earth school absolutely well beautifully said you know yeah i think you we're all teaching and learning you know you, you you framed it exactly and and i think by through teaching this stuff i've learned so much 
you know, I've really zeroed in on a lot of the material from seeing it through the teaching lens. So it's been, yeah, it's been helpful in that way. Well, your words and your work have really helped re-inspire what I've always thought, which is a lot of spiritual work is about releasing barriers, um, not holding up too many walls about, you know, your idea of what reality is and society is. And then also being open to learning all of the time, no matter who it's from, no matter what the background is, to practice this one universal thing called love. So are there any final words you'd like to leave us with today? How can I top that? <laughs> Great. Um, I'm no, so glad. Pleasure. You, pleasure to connect with you. Yeah. I'm so glad you agreed to do it because, yeah, th there are more people waking up like you, and I think it's important. We listen to everyone. So I thank you for being here on the show today. And actually, I hope that we can follow up and do a part two because I definitely want to go more in depth about your book soon. That'd be great. I ha happy to come back. All right. Well, thank you so much, you all. I'm going to connect all of Bob's information in the show notes, including a link to his book. Hopefully you all go out and purchase it, listen to it on Spotify, wherever you can to help you on your own path towards enlightenment and just to learn from someone else in this crazy place we call life. So <laughs> thank you for joining me on the Tailored Healing Collective show. And until next time, let love lead the way. Peace. Beautiful. Um... what I want again and again.